minister to us, Lord. Your servants are listening. May your word burn within us as we go through the scriptures that we might be encouraged to live a life that's holy and pleasing and acceptable to you, we pray. Amen. If you could join me again to the New Testament book, letter from James to the 12 tribes of Jews dispersed throughout the community. Looking at James now, second chapter we are in this letter. We'd like to lift up for our reading verses 1 to 13. Reading from the New Living Translation, the Word of God says, My dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others? For example, suppose someone comes into your meeting, your church, your congregation, Zion Baptist Church, dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry, and another comes who is poor and dressed in dirty clothes. If you give special attention and a good seat to the rich person, but say to the poor one, you can stand over there or else sit on the floor. Well, doesn't this discrimination show that your judgments are guided by evil motives? Listen to me, dear brothers and sisters. Hasn't God chosen the poor in this world to be rich in faith? Aren't they the ones who will inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? But you dishonor the poor. Isn't it the rich who oppress you and drag you into court? Aren't they the ones who slander Jesus Christ, whose noble name you bear? Yes, indeed, it is good when you obey the royal law as found in the scriptures. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you favor some people other, over others, you are committing a sin. You are guilty of breaking the law. For the person who keeps all the laws except one is as guilty as a person who has broken all of God's laws. For the same God who said you must not commit adultery also said you must not murder. So if you murder someone but do not commit adultery, you have still broken the law. So whatever you say or whatever you do, remember that you will be judged by the law that sets you free. There will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you have been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. Praise God for his words. You may be seated. As you take your seat, you help me announce this topic, the subject matter of this for this morning having humble faith. Amen. You know, don't leave anybody left out. Talk to your other neighbor. Tell them right now. Tell them having humble faith. Amen. Amen. Having humble faith to the Lord is looking to serve with love to all we meet. This faithful service shows our love to our God. 
This love will remove pride and preferential treatment of who we meet. Also, this love will move us to keep all, can someone say all, of God's laws and precepts and not just the ones we choose. Also, this love will encourage us to show mercy just as we have received mercy from a merciful God. I want to get into this text, but the spirit just moved me before I get into what I have down for my notes. That is anybody here just glad they serve a merciful God, a God that looks past our faults and meets our needs, a God that has not judged us on because of what we have done, but he judged us because of our faith in the son. Oh, hallelujah. Is anybody here just glad today that there's nothing you can do, but Christ has done it all. And you're glad today that Jesus has paid it all and all to Jesus. I, oh, I, I'm so glad today when I just think about that if God had chose to be favoritism on me, I should not be standing here today. I would not be preaching today. I will be buried in the grave. But I'm so glad that he's full of mercy, that he looked past our faults and met our needs. Is anybody here just glad you made it today? You didn't know on Friday would you make it? You didn't know Saturday night if you had made it, but you made it today. Can someone just shout glory? Hallelujah. My God is able. So looking at this text brings into perspective how dare I be God and choose who I'm going to be nice to. Knowing that I am not worthy, worthy, worthy of anything that God gives me. But by his grace, we have made it this far. And many of us, and many of us, many of us have shouted, or last night it was just his mercy. I, 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 I found something out this week that every time my children went out the door and they came back in, I started realizing why I was always happy. You know, I started, I, my, my soul always praised God, they back in the house. And, 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 and it took me just last week to finally catch on while I was praising them because I was praising them because they could, they could have not been, I could have got a phone call that I had to go and get them. Come on, somebody. But when they walk back in the house on their own and say, hi, I say, thank you, Lord. We can see in our lives, just like that example, many examples of God looking out for us. Because we know that there's some days that we're not on our best days, but God still is always at his best. Aren't you glad that God blesses us with his best? Because God is so perfect that he can't give imperfect to so every good. And perfect gift comes from where? Above. And so when we look at this text, we look at this text, look at the imperative, the correction, the challenge that is given. How can you claim to be a child of God, how can you claim to be religious? How can you claim to be a Christian? How can you be a brother and a sister of Christ and you show favoritism? 
He's letting you know that you can't be a Christian and show favoritism. You can't be a child of God and play favorites. This does not equal what God has called because you look further in the text. He says that we all should demonstrate the Lord's law, the king's law, the royal law. You know the royal law. We understand the royal law. We use it when it benefits us, uh, but we need to put it in practice that it's not for you, but what you ought to do to others. And the royal law, the king law is basically summarized here. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Because this is summarized, because this goes in when Jesus was teaching that the greatest law was know ye Israel, that the Lord God is one, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your might, with all your strength, and, can someone say and? Love your neighbor as you love yourself. You know when you have an and, that means it has to be in addition to. So you can't love God and not love somebody I, I, I'm going to take a time out right now to make up for somebody that needs to repent because you weren't showing love. I'm going to time out right now because we ask you to get on up and shake some visitors' hands and tell them that Jesus in me loves the Jesus in you. Some of y'all went right past somebody. Oh, oh, oh. Y'all quiet on me. You went right past somebody, went to somebody you know. I said go to somebody you didn't know and shake their hands. So I'm going to give you some time right now. Just go ahead and take some time right now. Shake somebody's hand and just tell them Jesus loves you and so do I. Go ahead, take the time right now. Come on, take the time right now. See, we are the body of Christ. Let us take the time and make sure we let somebody know I love you. Welcome to the house of God. Yeah, 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 yeah. The Jesus in me loves the Jesus in you. The Jesus in me loves the Jesus in you. It's so easy. We're all one in the body of Christ. It's so easy. We're all one in the body of Christ. It's so easy. So easy, love. Let's say it again. Say, the Jesus in me loves the Jesus in you. The Jesus in me, the wonderful Jesus in you. is so, brother Nelson. God bless you. Hallelujah. Welcome. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. So easy. It's so easy. So easy, love. So is the love. Oh, glory. Oh, glory. Amen. Oh, don't you feel better? You got to shake somebody's hand you didn't shake earlier. Got to smile and tell them the love of Christ. Oh, hallelujah. This is what the body of Christ ought to be about. Not playing favorites. Uh, I'll talk to them later. No, make them a priority. Make them a priority. Talk to them. Minister to them. Make room for them. We talked about it before. That when somebody comes in and you know that's your spot. And since it's your spot, you leave your stuff in your spot and you get up. So that they can get in, but they got to go past your spot. I'm here to let you know that you ought to give them your spot.
The Bible says love your neighbor as you love yourself. Well, you love yourself enough that you like that spot. Won't you think they might like that spot that they won't put their arm up to on the end and sit back and relax and look dignified like you think you look like? Watch out, somebody. Yeah, I'm meddling. Yes, I'm meddling. But think about how when you come and someone say, here, make yourself at home, what that really means. You tell me make myself at home, I want to find the refrigerator. That's what it means to me when you say make yourself at home, that if I'm hungry, I'm going to get something to eat and give me something to drink. So next time you say make me at home, I got some follow-up questions. Where's the refrigerator? Do you have any cups? And where are they? So I want to know when I go into that kitchen how to make myself at home. We ought to make the same way when someone walks into our place of worship. They come to our Bible study. They come to our Sunday school. We say, make yourself at home, which means, here, you can sit right here. That's my spot. Sit right here. Here, use my book. Here, use my Bible. May we share together and go over together. We need to make sure that when somebody walks in that they feel special. And we're not showing favoritism. And this is evident by how we what? Love one another. See, when our faith in the Lord is evident, pride is removed. When pride is not removed, this is what happens. What James talks about, he gives this example that uh, two people come in. One is rich, a dress dripping with gold, got gold all over his fingers and is adorned in a nice outfit. They say, oh, this man got money. We won't give them a good spot. But the other person comes in, looks like they're poor, looks like they don't have anything to offer. You're not good enough to sit down. It might be standing room only, so you got to stand. But if there's no room for you to stand, then you got to get down by my feet. Y'all see that in the text. It says down by the footstool, under the footstool, down by my feet. Saying you're not good enough for us to look at you, so be beneath eye level. Watch out, somebody. Be beneath our level. You come down to the, you understood, right? Do you understand the principle when Jesus washed his disciples' feet that he was doing the lowest slave job? That wasn't the move-up job. You know how somebody comes in, they mopping the floors, and one day I'm going to be on fries. This wasn't the move-up. This was the entry-level job. And Jesus washed their feet to show his humility. But when someone said, you sit at my footstool, watch out. They're showing, I have no respect for you. That I'd rather you sit down by my dirty, ashy feet than you sit next to me. Look out, somebody. You see, what James is getting at here, that we need to be mindful that how can I be a child of God and I show favoritism. We look at it every day. You turn on the news, you see favoritism. They want to say because you're poor, because you're lazy. You're poor because you're uneducated. That's a lie. Because many of us can testify that we became poor not because we were lazy, not because we're uneducated, because some job got closed down. I'm going to start meddling again because somebody decided they want to pay this bill, but they want to pay another bill, which is that I want to make sure, this is the corporation speaking, that I have something to retire with. So I'm going to keep my 401k and take all yours and put it in my account and go live tax-free. Watch out, somebody. 
If you don't believe me, just, just go, go look and see what happened with Enron. See who's still living wealthy. I said, still living wealthy. While others lost their jobs. Watch out, somebody. We can look and see in our society that look who's still having paid jobs during our government shutdown. I'm going to leave it alone. So when you look at the favoritism and you look at our society, it's built on it. It's built on if you have this much money, you're better off. You're essential. You're special. But if you don't have this much money, you're not worth me even talking about you. Matter of fact, I jump back on the politicians. They don't come around if you don't vote for them. I'm going to the ones that's going to give me money and going to get me in the office. But we take note to those who come around. We know we didn't give them a penny, but they show up in our community. We say, I remember you. Because you were working for the people, not for the money. We see the difference. We appreciate the difference. That's why we had the civil rights movement. They weren't working for the money. They were working for the people. And when they were looking, and even, even Dr. Martin Luther King, the civil rights movement, were looking for just five. You, if you look, read his book, when, he's, you know, when he wrote the letter to Alabama, in the Alabama jail, he was talking to the police officer. And he, t- he was telling him why he was locked up, so he asked him how he was doing. And the officer showed how, how, money, how much money he was not making. He said, you need to march with us. <laughs> he said, because I am fighting for equal pay for everybody. He looked at him and says, though you got me locked up, though you think I'm less than you because of the content of, and the color of my skin, but I want you to understand that I will march for you too. He did not look at the favoritism, but he looked at what is right. Can you tell your neighbor, we need to look at what is right? And what is right is how God looks at us. And God looks at us with potential. He sees us as his children. That's why he gives out his seed so he can see for fruit in our lives. But when we are judging, we are being evil. Y'all see that right there in the text. With evil motives. We need not show favoritism. We need to remove pride and ego as if I'm better than you. Do not hold your faith in the Lord with pride as if you are better than others. Though the low are high in the Lord and the rich are humble by him and both share in Christ's glorious inheritance, we need to know that we are who we are but by the grace of God. God does not show favoritism. God's mercy and love is on all his saints, rich, poor, Greek, or Jew. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality and accepts no bribe. You find that in Deuteronomy 10, chapter 17, verse, that he shows you that I accept no bribes and take no partiality. But we know some people in high places that can get paid off to make a decision that's in favor for the well-off and the poor get prison. That's why the rich get rich and the poor get prison. Studies show majority of people commit crimes when they're broke. When they're broke. And the reason why they committed crimes when they're broke is because they're broke. So they have no other means to attain. So they say the only way to get it is take what is not mine. And then society condemns them instead of works with them. 
How can you promise somebody a job and you go through all the jumps and the hoops and they still don't get a job? And you're going to say, I'm going to give you a better lie. They're looking at you and saying, you lying. I'm going back to what I do know. And that's no, I know how to give money. That's why we have to see the change and say, how can we really make a difference? That's why we see so many of these organizations struggling because some people don't see the difference. They say, I don't see the purpose for a boys and girls club or big brother and big sister. They don't want to donate to that, but they'll give to something else. But we need more big brothers. We need more big sisters. We need people invested into our youth and to our children and start looking at them as a problem because they don't look like us. They don't dress like us. They don't live where we live. But instead, we need to treat them with the same love that we would want. Because I guarantee, I guarantee if you became broke and you started dressing poorly, I guarantee if you walked up in this place, you would expect somebody to treat you like nothing has changed. Because if they didn't, you would have walked away mad. Say, I thought they were my friends. But they all of a sudden, they talked about me because my clothes were not how they used to be. My hair was not done the way it used to be. I didn't get a chance to shave. I didn't get a chance to put on my Easter suit. I showed up in my jeans and my T-shirt, and they told me I couldn't sit next to them. I thought they were my friend. That's what's going to happen. But when we show the love of Christ, they walk away. So I'm so glad I got this church as my home. You see, the perspective has to change because we have to show what Christ would want us to do, not what the world would have us to do. Because even in the civil rights time, you notice where blacks said they sat in the back because they didn't want people to see them when they walked into the establishment. Y'all quiet on me. That's what they did. They put, if they didn't want you in the front, they took you to the back on purpose. It wasn't like, like that was the only one available. No, they passed many empty tables and tell you they were reserved. They were not reserved ahead of time, but they were reserved for people that don't look like you. We can't do that in the body of Christ. When someone comes in, we welcome them with open arms. We shake their hands. We, we want them to know that we love you. Favoritism shows us that when they show this favoritism, look what happens to them. They are treating this person of poor as in a place of humiliation. They, uh, they love on the one adorned in good clothing. In contrast, in showing the poor a place to stand. But if there's not a place to stand, not a place to rest. And if there's no place to stand, they give him a place by their feet. And I want you to grab this. Think about it. If you've been to a place and it's standing room only, wouldn't you, wouldn't you would love for somebody to give up their seat for you to sit down? But you see here, they just say, we're not even going to offer you a seat. If there's no place to stand, we're not going to give you a seat. But you can come sit down by my feet. I'm sitting. I'm comfortable. But I'm going to make you uncomfortable. How good is that? And do you understand the humiliation of the footstool? This humiliation, the treating of the poor as grass for many times in the scriptures, God delivers our enemies and makes them to become our footstool. Y'all catch that? God says he will deliver us, our enemies, and make them our 
footstool. So putting someone by the footstool is nothing accommodating, nothing special, nothing say, at least I gave you. But no, you treated me like my like I was your enemy. That's why we say he's under my feet. That's what you did to that visitor. You said, get under my feet. You're, you're underneath me. You're beneath me. You're not good enough to sit next to me. You're not even good enough to stand in my presence, but you're good enough to be under my feet. That's not what God calls us. The humiliating of the poor is so contrary to the purpose of the church and the fellowship in Christ. James earlier explained how the poor should boast, how they are exalted in the Lord, and the rich should boast of their humiliation in the Lord. But however, James has to teach on the church showing favoritism that is not pleasing to God. I want to grab this, that many of us are saying, well, that's not us. That may not be you, but we need to look around and make sure that's not our church. Because God does not show favoritism, but God will judge our evil motives. These motives are based on distinctions of man and not of his work. The distinction is based on man's idea of how to show favor to and who not to show favor to. This further illustrates that God does not treat us like men do who treat us based on what we think we can get from one another. They, they, they might have thought here came somebody that has some resources, that has some income, that can bless us, that I can benefit from. Here comes someone that has nothing to offer, so I don't want what they have. Not understanding that God is able to supply all our needs. We look at people, how they're dressed, and they're able to give us something. And many of us have, been, uh, have been, been awakened, if you will, thinking that you have someone who was rich and affluent that's going to be a good blessing to you, became more of a curse to you. you and so some people out there got some rich friends, think they're going to pay every time you go out, but you end up paying. And they keep on saying, you know, I'm out, I'm, I'll get you back later. You start looking at it, and now check this out, it's your fault. You had the wrong motive to say, I'm going to be friends with you. I'm going to benefit from this relationship because of, of the place that you're in. Instead of looking, how can I be a blessing to you? We ought to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. Because truth be told, if you had a lot of money, you wouldn't want people coming after you. Y'all quiet on me. Y'all to change y'all numbers or act like you don't have any cousins anymore. Some of y'all got rich. Y'all be acting like, you ain't part of my family. I don't know you. But in the body of Christ, we look to share our love with everyone we meet because who is our neighbor? Everybody. And someone said, what about my enemies? You're supposed to love them too. The Bible makes it clear, love your enemy, pray for them and bless them. Don't curse them. You see, aren't you glad that God defines what love is and not us? And so when we understand the king's law, because someone say the king's law. We are intently trying to keep his law. Think about it. Think about the laws of the kingdom. If you live in a kingdom and you break the king's law, aren't you, are you not subject to his judgment? And so think about if you, if you, if you break the speed limit, you are a lawbreaker. Now y'all looking at me funny. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. You broke the law. Now, you may be classified as a misdemeanor, not a felony, but you broke the law. But we're happy, right, that that doesn't go on our record. So when they do a record check, they won't find out how many times I done broke the law. 
But if you steal, and you steal a certain amount, it's going to go down. And then now you are no longer just a lawbreaker. Now you're a felonious criminal that takes a lot of money. Watch out, somebody. And so think about if that's how the state looks at you. Is it not God greater? We look at other people and we talk about, oh, I don't trust them because they got a record. Don't you have a record? Just because their trial was in the newspaper and your trial was not in the newspaper does not mean you're innocent. Just because their consequences got printed out and your consequences is between you and that other person does not make you innocent. The Bible makes it clear here. You see how even James had to use a drastic example, say, y'all not following me. <laughs> y'all not feeling me. He probably was saying about how do you ought to treat your, the rich and the poor. Let me get real with y'all. Some of you out there, out there committing adultery, think it's not a big deal, but it's just like you committed murder. Now he done woke him up. They said, wait a minute, he talking about me. When we get true to it, that when you tell a lie, when you steal, when you commit adultery, when you're having sex outside of marriage, when you are abusing people with harsh words and language, you are breaking God's law. And when you break one of them, it's like you broke them all. Now you become subject to the judgment that comes down from breaking the law. But I'm so glad that when James was writing that, he let us understand that mercy triumphs over judgment. Anybody here glad that mercy triumphs over judgment? Because when you see how God's perspective differs from our perspective, we judge with evil evil intent we become angry and our anger is not of righteousness of God so we need to be mindful just because we think we're right and what we're doing does not make us right but there is a God that is right who stays right and will always be right and so when we stay with him it's amazing how things always work out right with him so he's pointing out to us that, okay, I'm not a murderer, maybe I don't commit adultery, but yes, I am guilty of showing favoritism. Let's be real to ourselves. We talk about other people doing racial profiling. We do it ourselves. You scared to go into some certain neighborhoods too because of what you heard. You lock your door too when people walk by your car. You clutch your purse tighter too when certain people sit next to you. We do things based on how people look. And we tell ourselves, I'm just being safe. But sometimes you're not just being safe, you're being judgmental. Sometimes someone's walking up to you, you don't know what to say to them, and they're trying to better themselves, but you are belittling them. We need to be mindful and say, Lord, help me to be more open and more trusting. Because there's some people out there that you look at them and they might look like a thug looks. And the problem is that 
they look like a thug because that's what's popular now. Y'all need to wake up and realize that that's what's popular now. They, they gonna wear them big jerseys and their pants hanging because that's what's popular. It's not because they're gang banging. It's just what's in style. When you wore your bell bottoms and you wore your afro out and you had on those butterfly collars on, you, you thought you were in style too. You don't wear that stuff now because you grew up. Watch out somebody. So there's some people out there that need some assistance so that their style can mature. But yet, are you giving them the love that they need to get them there? Y'all looking at me now? Yes, I'm dressed in a nice suit with a bow tie. But as Samuel Durant, and I always wear suits and bow ties. I, I showed up, had me some cross colors that were too big. And I wore some two boxers and some shorts just to make sure when they sagged, you didn't see my underwear. But I had a belt on around my thigh so the pants would not fall down. But I look cool when I walk. I thought I was in style. My mother, when she called me, would have slapped me in my head every time. So I had to wait till I see walked out, and then I pulled him down. But I needed the love of my mother to encourage me. I needed the love of my principals and my teachers to encourage me, to help me to understand that you're looking like this, but I see potential in you, and I want to lift you up. I want to build you up. I, I, I wasn't an A student. I was a D-plus student. I said a D-plus student. I couldn't bring home S, but I could bring home some Ds and still get some away, because my mom and daddy would work with their son. They know they had some issues. And, and I, I, I could have been that student. They say, I'm not going to work with you, but they work with the A students, they can be proud of them. But I'm glad I had some teachers that work with some D-plus students to help them become some A students. That can be you right now, that you can be that same teacher in this community that can see some people that look like they don't have it all together, but you can love on them, you can encourage them, and you can help them get to where they want to be because you realize if it was not by God's grace, that could be you, but you are truly an example of his grace, and you can share his grace, and you can show them, look at them, they can tell you about their troubles, they can tell you about their trials, they can tell you about their sin, but that's another opportunity we didn't tell them I got the same problem I got some sin in my life I got some stains in my life but can I tell you about a Jesus that came and overcame my judgment by showing me some mercy is anybody here glad that it's the same blood that can wash us over and over and over again is anybody here glad today that it wasn't judgment that met you but it was his mercy it was his grace it was his love. I'm so glad today when he died on that cross. It wasn't judgment but it was mercy. It was grace. I'm so glad today that when they buried him in the grave, the tomb could not hold him because it was early. I said early. Early Sunday morning. He got up with all power in his hands. And now we have access to that power that we are not abusing but show that power. By how we love one another, encourage one another, and let them know that where you are, I've been there too. And one day, I might be there again. But one thing I understand, that Jesus is still real. His love is everlasting. His mercy is great. You might be going through a time in your life where everybody else might treat you bad, might treat you wrong, might look at you funny. But we're not going to do that because we know it's nothing but the love of Jesus.
that brought us through. Anybody here glad today that it was the love of Jesus that brought you through? Even when our mother and our father, the, the psalmist says, may for say the Lord will pick us up. Anybody here glad that God's always right there by our side? We talked about a couple of Sundays ago how I made it through. It was because it was the Lord by my side. Aren't you glad today that he's faithful? That he is not a God that shows favoritism, but a God that shows mercy. That he's able to save whether rich or poor, Greek or Jew, male or female. Our God is mighty to save. That he's able to overcome whatever issues we have in our lives because he knows the plans he made you for. He knows how he made you and why he made you. And he who's begun a good work will complete it. So don't worry about your work in progress, but God's going to work on you. And then I think about how I was working on that. They talked about, you know, the great sculptor who, that, how did you make this horse out of this stone? He said, I chipped away everything that did not look like a horse. I'm here to let you know that as you're on the work in progress, God is still chiseling away the things that are not like him that he wants you to be like. And he will get you there. And when he gets you there, you're going to hear, well done. Well done. My good and faithful servant. Every head bowed, every eyes closed. Lord, we come. Lord, we come. Humble to you right now, our God, seeking your desire, your will for our lives. Father, we don't have it all together. We're not as good as we sometimes think we are. But God, we thank you that through it all, it's been your grace. It's been your mercy. It's been your unfailing love that's brought us to this part. Lord, there might be someone here who does not know Jesus as their Lord and say, Lord, I pray right now that he can confess with their mouth and believe in their heart. And receive you as Lord today, oh God. Father, I pray that you will knit our hearts as Zion, that we will love on them and be to them, Lord, the church, the body of Christ. You call us to be that we do not show favoritism, but we love on them. We encourage them through the love of Jesus Christ. Lord, there might be someone here looking for a church home. We welcome them here in this place. Father, move. Move, move right now. All God's church, that agree, say amen. 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 May we stand.